Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Just like that, the second hour is here. OutKick 360 rolls on. If you're listening across the radio network, we appreciate you tuned into this fine radio station. Here with you, 3 to 6 Eastern, 2 to 5 Central each weekday with Chad Withrow and Jonathan Hutton. 6th and Peabody, our location. Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Uh, Chad, so John Gruden has the lawsuit against the NFL alleging that it was the NFL that leaked the email about you know the, the past email with the uh, the racist comments. Yep. And it's what got him fired. Got him fired yeah. last year by the Las Vegas Raiders. So... Uh, Dennis Allen, no, let me get this right. Let me make sure. Oh, Bruce Allen, excuse me. Bruce Allen. There's so many Allen. Former out there. Uh, team president. And um, he, I guess he was investigated. He was uh, talked to by the oversight committee. And the transcripts are out for this. And he says that it was actually the commanders that leaked the, the email in an answer um, about that. Yeah. So we'll. we'll what get- would be the motivation other than. Through Snyder? I guess to to get emphasis off of him, I don't. Again, I don't know. It's just part of his dirt digging campaign that's going on. That says, "Hey, I've got stuff on everyone," and he's that's want him throwing a shot out there that could get some take someone down. Yeah, I mean it's it's a very interesting um, story today with the House Oversight Committee and uh, the damning report that they've put out on Snyder. Armando Salguero will join us uh, coming up in about 20 minutes. We'll dive in on all the NFL headlines. It will include that as well. Uh, The rumors, again, swirling, picking up with Sean Payton and Tom Brady teaming up next year somewhere. And there's no coincidence that the – and and Brady's podcast is awesome, the Let's Go podcast. But the way he sets it up with Jim Gray, um, he, he is taping this podcast as if it's the day of the game. I guess they release it on Monday. So, you know, he has the the foresight when he's taping to talk about tonight's matchup. And, of course, they had the Saints on Monday night. And they, and in a typical Brady fashion, uh, he's he's got Sean Payton on. <laughs> so, uh, they're, they're, that's it's one of their special, special guests. And in the podcast, Chad, um, Payton's like, we don't want to get another team in trouble. It, a, a comment about the the you know moving on to another team and the back and forth uh, with with Brady and Peyton, um, you know, and of course Sean Payton's a current current studio analyst with Fox, but it's probably short lived. I need to start and, listening hey, to this podcast. And also, he mentions in here, Peyton does like in these matchups, the Saints have had a lot of success against him, of course, with in Tampa. And he says, but it always it typically comes down to what feels like a two-minute drill. And Brady says, well, you know what? I hope it doesn't do that. You know, as a matter of fact, I do. I hope it comes down to a two-minute drill. 
And of course, they and win then, 17 16. And they win with what, six seconds left on the clock when yeah. he throws the last touchdown? We'll have uh, Armando. Armando touched on the, the Brady Payton pairing, and uh, you can read that at outkick.com. We'll get his thoughts coming up. Chad, you also have a column available, outkick.com, about the Heisman finalists uh, and touched on a, a topic that we hit on earlier this week, Hendon Hooker, and how he is certainly qualified to be a finalist and is not there. And you compared him to the other finalists that will be in New York. Yeah, I spoke with my anger. I wrote with my anger, I should say, in the, in the column this week. Uh, I, I firmly believe that it's an absolute joke and it's shameful that Hendon Hooker is not in New York. I'm not saying that he's the winner or necessarily should win it, uh, but he should be a finalist for the season that he's had and his story, everything that went into it, and what went on this year. And I don't think getting injured in the fourth quarter of your second-to-last game. He basically missed five quarters of the season. He would have padded his stats even more. Tennessee beat Vanderbilt 56 to nothing on the road with their backup quarterback. Pretty sure Hendon Hooker would have had some touchdowns and more yards to add to his pile that he already had had he played in that game. Um, I, I think there's a number of things at play here. The chief among them is, too often what ESPN says is what a majority of the 900-plus Heisman voters believe. So when ESPN comes on TV right after Hendon Hooker's hurt, and it's just, well, put Tennessee over here because they lost to South Carolina, and also put Hendon Hooker way out of sight and out of mind because he got hurt. So we can't even consider them for a spot ahead of Alabama because they don't have their quarterback anymore, even though that's nowhere listed in the criteria of how you evaluate a team. You don't look at injuries. You look at their resume and what they've done on the field. So... That part bothers me, and I don't think enough people watch all the games. So this is a bit of a history lesson with my column also. People always want to ask, you know, why are Tennessee fans so crazy? Why, why, do they, why are they seemingly insane? Well, they've been driven crazy over the years for a, a number of reasons, but let me give you a couple of them. In 1956, going way back, Johnny Majors, Tennessee legend. We've interviewed him on a show before, Hutton. He finished second in the Heisman Trophy to Paul Horning of Notre Dame. Paul Horning of Notre Dame, his team went 2-8 and eight that year. That sounds crazy to everyone right now. It's crazy back then because typically the Heisman Trophy winner would have been on a good team or at least a team with a winning record. Didn't happen. Johnny Majors, great numbers that year on a great Tennessee team, finished second. And that started the Midwest voters, voters that aren't from the South, have it out for Tennessee, Okay. Now fast forward. Heath Shuler was runner-up for the Heisman. Should have been runner-up for the Heisman. Probably good that he got to second in that one. He wasn't beating Charlie Ward the year that Charlie Ward won the Heisman. No issues with that. 1997 is the year I'm going to next. Peyton Manning, we've heard of him, right? Kind of a legendary figure in both college, the NFL, and now his post-playing career. Peyton Manning passed for 3,819 yards, 36 touchdowns, led Tennessee to an 11-1 record. In the week before the Heisman ceremony, the last chance for people to vote, a week that Charles Woodson, the winner, did not play in because there was not a Big Ten championship at the time. Peyton Manning, what did he do? He won MVP of the SEC championship game, beating Auburn 30-29, to and he had 373 yards and four touchdowns. Was that good enough? No, apparently not. Because 97 voters kept him completely off their ballot. Why? No one knows. 41 voters kept Charles Woodson off the ballot. Charles Woodson, great player. Not a knock at Charles Woodson. 
He didn't vote for the Heisman. He just accepted it when it was fraudulently given to him that night. Charles Woodson that season, four total touchdowns. Guy played offense, defense, special teams. He had one punt return for a touchdown. He had two receptions for a touchdown, and he had one rushing touchdown on the year. Did not even return an interception for a touchdown as a great defensive back. Charles Woodson on that Michigan team, great Michigan team, shared the national title with Nebraska. Seven interceptions. Seven interceptions that year. Now, this was taken out of my column for whatever reason, so I have to go back to my original copy. Very controversial not, not sure, Not sure why this was taken out, because I really had to dig for this <laughs> and enjoyed this stat. Um, Hutton, have you ever heard of Marcus Fuqua of Buffalo, the Buffalo Bulls? Uh, no, I have not. So it's shocking to me that Marcus Fuqua isn't up for a Heisman because in 2022 this year, he matched Charles Woodson's interception total for the season. <laughs> seven interceptions, leads NCAA, seven interceptions. That won Charles Woodson the Heisman. Now, Chris Lowe's got a great piece, who's a terrific writer at ESPN, about all the conspiracy theories around that season. Gus's good time deli leads it off, Yes, right? yes. Yeah. And one of which is Tennessee tanked the Nebraska game to give Nebraska a share of the national title. Michigan barely beat Washington State with Ryan Leaf the day before in the Rose Bowl. The next night, Nebraska housed Tennessee 42-17. And then Scott Frost had the emotional plea postgame about Tom Osborne cannot leave here without a national title. And you saw it on the field tonight, what we did to one of the best teams in the country. We deserve a, a national title. Sure enough, coaches voted in Nebraska. Yeah, Osborne. AP voted Michigan. So Michigan was, the, I think, the second team ever to actually win their, game, their bowl game and drop or have someone else join them as the national champion. Uh, so people think Tennessee, you know, they think, Philip, them. they think Philip Fulmer kept Michigan off the top 25, which Fulmer says is not true, and the guy who administered the poll said is not true. So there was nothing abnormal about his vote. Philip Fulmer said, I voted for who I thought was the best team, which I'm sure was Nebraska considering they just lost 42-17 to Nebraska. Yes, head-to-head. So he put them number one over Michigan, which I I have no problem with knowing that that Nebraska team. So, brief history lesson. Shiano Sunday happens. Tennessee fans are crazy, right? The college football media Illuminati out there, all these rednecks down there and their hollers and hanging out the side of their shanties. They all need to go back into their trailers and shut the hell up because they don't know what's going on. And we know what's best for them, and we know college football, yada, 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 whatever. 2022 happens. Tennessee, at the end of 2020, was an absolute orange dumpster fire, was a train wreck of a program. They were a laughingstock. They were a punchline. Fast food bags of cash on the Dan Patrick Show. Um, Jeremy Pruitt wearing a babushka on the sideline and people posting videos of that. Tennessee limps to a 3-7 and seven record. Philip Fulmer gets ousted after having to fire his hire in Jeremy Pruitt amidst an NCAA investigation. With all of this swirling around, Hendon Hooker is the quarterback at Virginia Tech. He loses his starting job, and during a game in December on the sideline, he's seen shaking and convulsing with cameras on him on the sideline. His coach, Justin Fuente, said after the game, well, he's just cold. He wasn't just cold. He had heart surgery before that season and was having an adverse reaction to his heart medication. So, Hendon Hooker, understandably pissed off at his coach, leaves Virginia Tech, goes to Tennessee to play for Jeremy Pruitt. Well, 19 days after he gets there, Jeremy Pruitt is gone, fired, 
See ya. Josh Heupel comes in. Josh Heupel goes up to Michigan. There's Michigan again, hearkening back to 1997. Brings in Joe Milton, quarterback, to take his job. Joe Milton's the starter the next year. Hendon Hooker sticks with it. Two games into the season, in the pit game, uh, Joe Milton out with an ankle injury. Hendon Hooker the starter. Hendon Hooker goes on an amazing run in 2021. Numbers, honestly, that had he had 12 games, would have been equal to or maybe even better than this year because he ran more in 2021. Nonetheless, Tennessee, no one thought he was going to be in the Heisman talk. Why? Because they're 7-6, and six, right? No team that's not in the top four or five would ever have a player in the Heisman. That, that's the rules now. These are the new criteria. you got to be on a winning team. you got to be on a team that's relevant, top of the sport, unless it's 1956 and you're Paul Horning, then you can pass Tennessee with a 2-8 and eight record and win the Heisman. But I digress. So, get to this season. Hendon Hooker, great year. We all know the stats. Better than most that are up for the award. 3,561 3, yards, touchdowns, no interceptions, or two interceptions on the season, a lack of interceptions, all of that. Does not get invited to New York as a finalist for the trophy. So much is being made about Stetson Bennett in all of this, okay? Here's where I'll argue against the Stetson Bennett entry into New York. Never in the history of the SEC has an SEC Offensive Player of the Year swept both sides of it, coaches and AP vote, and first-team quarterback in the SEC been passed over, not been invited to New York because another SEC quarterback is invited to New York. Never happened before. Stetson Bennett gets the benefit of the doubt. Stetson Bennett also has a terrific story. We could go into it, but if stories are what make up the sport a lot of times, he's got a great one. Got no problem with it. Well, let, let me jump in on that because it's more than the story. It, it's, I, I think it goes back to... It's playing to, big, and I wrote this. <laughs> he played his biggest in the big games. Yes. Consistently. Tremendous. Yep. Tremendous performances in the big games. And ultimately, I think that's why people voted for Woodson. They saw him against Ohio State where he had a punt return for a touchdown, a huge stop, and inter- I don't know if he had an interception that game. He had another. He, had a, he scored on offense that day. And I think ultimately that's what bolstered the vote. Uh, it goes back to our discussion earlier about how much have they seen you play and when you played, did you dominate? Yeah, and, and that's 1997, okay. You know, the internet is new. Then you're, even, reading, you're reading newspapers no, but go, more. But this is... There's it, not I, as many I, games. I think it was the same, same then as it is now. Um, well, that's what I'm getting to, though. How many people that's, left him off the ballot? Both of them. That's not an excuse now. I, I'll, give, I'll give you that in 97, where you're subject to so many national games... And everyone probably saw Ohio State, Michigan on ABC that year. Yeah, but there's no, there's no doubt who the. I mean, that was also the year. What Ryan Leaf and and Randy Moss were also there. Yeah, and that and they, they also deserved to be there. But the leaving the two, the top two guys off the ballot completely that year is crazy. Considering it's the spiteful. Fir- yes. I mean, I am yes. sorry, but th- this is where Tennessee fans are not crazy. So do you think it's spiteful? And, and now? you can call it a victim complex or whatever the hell you want. But it's I, truth. But I, I don't know if it's... There it, are a lot of media members because Tennessee fans have been up in their Twitter mentions for a long time that simply hate Tennessee. That will not vote Hendon Hooker in the top 10 because he wears that shade of orange. I am a firm believer in this. And they may lie to you and say that they look at it the right way. And I do not believe it. And, and also for this, yes, Stetson Bennett was great against Tennessee in the win in Athens. 
Yes, he was really good in the SEC championship. Yes, he was really good against Oregon. He was big in big moments. Hendon Hooker beat Alabama. Five touchdown passes to one guy. Yes. He won the game in 18 seconds. And Chad, they when watched getting him, the ball in Bama and territory. They watched him against Georgia, too. That's my point. Those were two of the three most watched games of the year. And two of the three most watched games of the year. So, but but you're also acknowledging in this, he's not winning if he's there, right? He's not winning the award if he's there. No, pro- probably not because, it, again, it's going to go to... And this is the crux of your column, I think, is the who is it actually going to? Well... Because if, if, we're, if we're doing here's the big cru- moments, here's the crux I don't know of my how column. you vote for C.J. Stroud. Here's the crux this. of my column. I don't care anymore. I, it's broken yeah. me. This year, combined with 97, has broken my faith in the whole system. I don't care. When we talk Heisman... I will tell you who I think is the most outstanding player in college football. I don't give a damn what they do. I will not watch a second of it. I advise you, if you are fed up with it too, don't watch. I'm going to watch the Army-Navy game on Saturday, and I'm going to be done. I'm not watching the Heisman ceremony. Over 900 people should not be voting on this award, first and foremost. It needs to be people that are watching all of the games. Honestly, people that their vote is immediately public when this happens. Yes. I want full transparency. I want a written thesis on all your top five and why you voted for them. That is not too much to ask. If we're well, going to talk Heisman all year and not just in the season, but leading up to a year, if that responsibility is going to be that much, you need to, in writing, explain why you voted for a certain player over another one. I, I, can, get, um, I can get one Heisman voter on after they announce it and get his perspective on who he voted for and why. And I know who it is, uh, but he can't say until after. The, and, and a lot of you and I know a lot of voters who can go on sports talk radio next week and actually discuss who they voted for and why, but they can't do it ahead of time, which is ridiculous. If you're turning in your ballot right now, it's also, you know, we know we're all products of, of our environment and what we see and what we hear. And, I mean, going back to 97, what did ABC and ESPN want? They didn't have the SEC at the time. They needed discussion points. They propped up Charles Woodson to be in that debate the whole year. I don't even think they thought that he would win it. I really don't. I thought they knew it was a slam dunk for Peyton Manning going into it. Charles Woodson in the piece where Chris Lowe admits, I, I asked my teammate to win me, do you honestly think I have a chance to win this? He said no, probably not. But they talked the voters into it over and over and over and over because that's marketing and promotions 101. They didn't have the rights to the SEC, so they want people watching the Big Ten package on ABC and ESPN. So they're going to hype up their guy, and it worked. So you think they're going to do that moving forward for Tennessee? Well, here's a bad example of this. Uh, Not a bad example, a good example of where influence can affect things. Jalen Hyatt now of Tennessee is up for the Blitnikoff Award, and today – um, I, I'm seeing this from the SID at Tennessee, Bill Martin retweeting it. There's this whole opinion column about who should win what award. And uh, someone predicts the winner being Marvin Harrison Jr. because he leads FBS receivers with 12 touchdowns. The problem is Jalen Hyde has 15. And someone retweeted that and said, this is just completely factually wrong. I don't know if they've changed that. And, and they looked at it differently, but he says, leading all FBS receivers with 12 touchdowns, Marvin Harrison Jr. is the winner. So, you know, let's just yeah. get back to talking Ohio State and Alabama. 
and being done with it if we're not going to have a fair competition and actually but look the, at all the but teams. But the thing is, it's, we'll get to Armando. We've got to get to Armando. The thing is, though, you can't just get away from talking about it because the Heisman brand, the, the next guy is the next guy on the Dr. Pepper commercials. Bryce Young's there now. That, that brand and that award travels with you everywhere. And if they're going to... It, it, Clay I, Travis is paying thousands of dollars to Tim Tebow to own for six months his Heisman Trophy. Yeah, I, look, I, I'm with you. It's important for the people who have won it and yeah. win it. That's why they need to do a better job of, of voting uh, on yes. it. Yes, and it's awarded they to... They need to take it more seriously the way it yeah. should be taken. I, I agree. I'm and also, you. if you're going to have this thing about they integrity... Need to vote like Armando would vote on If you're going to have awards. all this about integrity of the ward and perseverance and diligence and all this... Uh, you should deduct points for Caleb Williams writing FND and F Utah on his fingernails. I agree. But no one wants to talk about that. No, it's not. Again, it's not. I, I doubt many of the voters even know about it. I, I to my point earlier this week. I guarantee you if he uh, uh, retweeted a Donald Trump tweet or said something uh, against then, COVID vaccine mandates, yep. he would not be in the top four. And Hindenhooker would have replaced him. That's right. That's the sad fact of it all. And it bothers me. Armando Salguero will vote for the NFL awards and he will absolutely vote for who deserves it and he'll know who doesn't. But when we come back, we'll discuss the NFL headlines, which includes Dan Snyder, who uh, I think we would all vote out right now. Um, Maybe the owners would do it, but he's trying to sell the team anyway. We'll give you discussion topics on exactly what the oversight committee report had to say. Plus the uh, discussion with Bruce Allen and what he had to say about the leaked email with John Gruden from last year. That's next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The report from the House Oversight Committee is titled Conduct Detrimental. How the NFL and Washington Commanders covered up decades of sexual misconduct. Welcome back to Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. Coming up in about an hour, David Hookstead will join us from Outkick.com. And right now we say hello to Armando Salguero, covers the NFL. There's our senior columnist at Outkick. Armando, you you went through and, and broke this down. What are the, the highlights of what is a very damning report in regards to Snyder and the NFL? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a long one. And let me just say by the way, gentlemen, that in Congress, we have two kinds of people. We have Democrats and Republicans, and Nary is the moment where they agree. And so there are actually two reports, one by the Democrats who run the committee, one by the Republicans as an answer uh, to the committee's official report. And not shockingly, the Oversight Committee chairman, who's a Democrat, alleges numerous things about Daniel Snyder that we kind of already knew, right? That he conducted himself in a dubious manner and how he dealt with people who were alleging workplace uh, harassment, how he actually 
told Bruce Allen, the club president, it, that he wanted information slash dirt on Commissioner Roger Goodell, how he tried to, through other means, sue Beth Wilkinson, who was conducting an investigation of the team on behalf of the NFL so that she could not speak with everyone she wanted to speak with. And, of course, the piece de resistance, as they say in France, the part where he sent to committee members the night before Bruce Allen had his deposition emails from Bruce Allen that included that included the leaked emails that eventually got John Gruden fired, not fired, but he yes. you know resigned yes. from the Las Vegas Raiders. So all of that comes out of all of this. And it's um it it is about the most unsavory sandwich of words that I've ever had to digest in my life. Well, what 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 came Th- about? Thank you for digesting it, by the way. Yes. I, I didn't want to oh. have to read all of it, so I'm glad that you did. So thank you for your service. And there, there are highlights, and it's very easy to read. The Cliff Notes version of the highlights Armando gave us at Outkick.com. It's, it's great. So give us the Cliff Notes version of Snyder wanting to investigate Roger Goodell. Right. So he told Bruce Allen... I want to know everything about everyone. Don't let me find out somewhere else. Meaning he wanted all the information on all the people that were coming at him and or suggesting that they might come at him. That was the whole genesis of that. Wow. Yeah, well, we got David Hookstead coming up. We're going to dive further into this. Um, How surprised are you that the Titans... Controlling owner, Amy Adams Strunk, fires John Robinson on in the first week of December uh, and the timing of everything. Not necessarily Armando from the roster construction because that was the that was the the statement released by the team. But when this went down at seven and five, right after they got beat down by AJ Brown and the Philadelphia Eagles, and right after at the podium on Sunday, Mike Vrabel said they're at a crossroads. Right. So, first of all, um, she should have spoken to reporters yes. this week. Yeah, we said okay? it was a week. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. She uh, made a, a very significant uh, direction-defining decision that no one else made. No one else uh, could could dissuade her from making, and yet she believes that a statement is enough to explain what she was doing and a vague statement at that that suggested sure enough that she's not happy with the heights to which john you know robin robinson was was performing and i get it there there are some issues there the timing is weird if you consider that right now Scouts are on the road for all the the various teams. They are turning in reports. They are deciding, the various teams are, uh, which reports need to be further investigated to find the players that they want to get with 
in, I would say, a month and a half at the Senior Bowl in Mobile. And beyond that, at the Combine in February. This is the time where personnel departments, if they're a machine, the generators are at full throttle. And generally, the general manager is the guy running that whole machine. And so now the Tennessee Titans decide at this time, at this juncture, because A.J. Brown lit them up, that, hey, um, the guy that's running our machine, he needs to be out of here. It's a weird situation. Normally what you have is GMs are fired along with other coaches. you know, either at the end of the season when much of the hay is in the barn, so to speak, or after the draft when all of the hay is in the barn. Does this feel like a situation, knowing Mike Vrabel a little bit and his personality, where this is heading towards more full control for him, even if someone else has the general manager title, where he's going to be in charge of shopping for the groceries and cooking for the dinner, as people have liked to say for years? Well, if anyone deserves that, you know, that, that, that stance in that position, I would say to you, Vrabel is probably on that list. Uh, gents, Mike Vrabel is a top, I would say, seven head coach in the NFL. He is very good at what he does. And the Tennessee Titans put him in that spot when they didn't know if he was very good or would be very good at what he does. And he has rewarded them with an outstanding job coaching the Tennessee Titans, developing players, um, getting the maximum out of what is generally considered uh, you know, a top third roster, but not necessarily a championship roster. And so he deserves it. If he, I would assume that he will have say in who the next general manager is. Um, and, th- and the reason that it's not going to happen anytime soon is because Mike Vrabel is busy doing other things right now. Do you think John Robinson gets another GM job quickly when one opens up? No. Um, General managers are not like coaches, as you know. Uh, It's hard to recycle them. It takes a while. There's got to be some rebuilding done. There's got to be some, um, you know, rehab done. And honestly, Jeff, Generally speaking, the decision that is most looked at that a general manager makes is, number one, the quarterback. And then it's number two, who did he hire as a head coach? Well, that's it's great that Mike Vrabel is the head coach, but the hiring of the quarterback, it's not looking great for John Robinson. And he has admitted multiple times that, He's tried, and Ryan Tannehill is as good as it's been and as good as it's gotten. And and all this time, while other teams have found quarterbacks so and better quarterbacks. 
So that's something that's on his resume that he can't delete. Armand, I will go rapid fire with two quick quick ones on the back end here. And when I, I'll set this one up by saying, we're about to see a quarterback over the final five weeks with an opportunity to prove himself. And I'm not going to bring up Baker Mayfield. It's now Desmond Ritter. Um, the Falcons right now currently have a top 10 pick. And the timing is perfect for Arthur Smith and that coaching staff and regime in place to figure out what they have or what they don't in Desmond Ritter. We would we would probably be seeing the same thing with Matt Corral if he's healthy in Carolina and he's not. But this is a, a big moment for Ritter because if if they don't know, they'll have multiple options moving forward. And the cheaper option is to have a top 10 pick this year as opposed to last year and take a quarterback in that spot. Desmond Ritter has to show in the next five games, in the next five weeks, that maybe he's not elite. Maybe he's not the franchise, but there's an opportunity to get there. And the way you do that is you don't necessarily have to win with a bad team around you, but you have to improve week to week. Yes, and Marcus Mariota, I think, is still under contract for next year. But again, I, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's the perfect time with all of that in, involved there. Um, also, just going into the week, I'm curious to get your thoughts on, we've got Brock Purdy, who's starting for San Francisco now, and some other quarterback things around the league are interesting, just based on position. Washington, and the way that we're seeing Heineke play, uh, Daniel Jones, who knows what they'll end up doing there moving forward. Things play out over December that will matter more than just playoff positioning, which is first and foremost. Yeah, the Giants are going to try to find a quarterback. So Daniel Jones, very nice guy, solid, but solid doesn't get you Super Bowl wins. And so the Giants are going to try to find a quarterback. Um, as far as Purdy, Look, the future of that franchise supposedly is uh, Lance and Trey Lance, and yeah. uh, that hasn't changed And uh, until Tom Brady makes a decision where he wants to play. Okay. <laughs> so Hey, that leads us to the so final the, one, real quick. Yeah. Sean, Sean Payton, Tom Brady, are they aligned next year somewhere? Depends. So, you know, it depends on the team. If if Sean Payton ends up with the Los Angeles Chargers, they're not likely to get rid of Justin Herbert, right? Yes. Yeah. It, okay. So it depends on what kind of team Sean Payton ends up with. And what I would say to you is most of the teams he wants to end up with have quarterbacks. Uh, now, if you're talking Carolina, okay, I, I can see – Tom Brady kind of thinking about Carolina, but he wants to be in San Francisco. I, I okay. think that's fair or back in Florida. Yeah. Cause the, the two teams that I've heard Sean Payton rumored to be interested in chargers Cardinals because of the quarterback situation, that, that, but that's where he wants to go is where a quarterback is in place. So, cause I was going to ask, okay, chargers definitely not, would he kick Kyler Murray to the the, the uh, curb in order to bring in Tom Brady? And the answer is no, right? The answer is no, and plus, from a salary cap standpoint, you can't really yeah. do that. They already paid Kyler Murray, 
and they would then go and pay Tom Brady too. That's that's harsh. And we got to remember, guys, Tom Brady's going to be 46 years old next year. He's a one year at a time type guy. You don't go somewhere and commit to him hoping that you're going to be the head coach for the next 10 years. Armando, um, are you is Tua playing this week? Yes. Okay. Of course. I, okay. I know he, he he left the game with an ankle injury. I wasn't sure. He's he that guy's a, an alien. He's made of solid. I just know, you know what happens when he plays a full game and when he doesn't. It's either a win or a loss. So uh, I'm, I, I, that's how I I'm betting. That that's how I'm betting the game, though. If you tell me he's starting, I'm going to take the Dolphins this week. Yeah, he's starting. Are you going anywhere this weekend? No, okay. but next week I'll I'll be in uh, lovely Buffalo. Woohoo! Hey, another. All of a sudden, the Bills are back up top. Hey, it's you know? be, it's better than Detroit, right, Armando? It's better than Detroit on Thanksgiving, at least Buffalo. Appreciate yes, you, man. I, but what stadium's behind you today? Um, that's a Super Bowl. I think it was. Uh, I don't know where it was. I, <laughs> it was. It's a halftime show at the Super Bowl. Is that a few San Diego, ago. maybe? And is the old San Diego Stadium? Qualcomm? No, they're starting to run together. No, that? No, no. Miami? They're starting to run together for me. I've yeah. covered like 30 of them, and they're starting to run together for me. Yeah, I, I'm looking around at this. And I'm, I mean, I don't know if that's Jacksonville pre-renovations or not, but yeah. Maybe. The one and only Jacksonville. Thank you, Armando. Appreciate you, man. All right, man. Armando Salguero. Patriots over Eagles in that lone Jacksonville Super Bowl. Um, without a doubt. And I, I didn't attend that one. My first Super Bowl, Chad, was with you in Glendale in 2007. It was the David Tyree helmet catch. And since then, we've been to every one of them. Uh, but that, that, um, that Super Bowl in Jacksonville is regarded from the media as the worst. Media, teams involved, NFL the worst host city that they've been to. And that's why the team in Florida has not received more of those Super Bowl rotations. That does not surprise me in the least, having been to Jacksonville. That that, that would be the worst destination, and the layout is so spread out. Downtown in Jacksonville is nothing. That's not really where people go. It's just a business center. It's not a spot where you hang out at night. Uh, that That's a rough spot. Had my first Super Bowl, joking about Detroit, was the year after the Jacksonville Super Bowl in Detroit. So at the conclusion of the 2005 season, yep. that was my first Super Bowl, and I've been to all but the two, I think, since. Um, when we come back, an unusual high school state championship opportunity where, well, it's, it's similar to what the, the high school coach in Arkansas was doing where he never punted or he always went for the onside kick, the Presbyterian coach that yeah, got fired. Later resigned. went to Presbyterian and then resigned. From yeah, resigned because it... Wasn't, it wasn't translating well in, in, even at that level in college football. Uh, this is on the other extreme, but yet they're having a ton of success. Wait until you hear this. That's next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Outkick 360. Oh, funny times. Rolls on across the Outkick Network. Sixth and Peabody Air location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. 
Chat, uh, how about my guys at Grenada Hills? Honey? I mean, how about them? So, just refreshingly old school with their approach to the gridiron. There was uh, here in Tennessee, there was a high school state championship team at Gumbry Bell Academy in yep. 2014. Their last state championship team in the game, the state title game, they set a school record, a, a state record for most rushes, and they only uh, completed one pass the entire game in the state championship game. There what? is. I feel like Alcoa also had one of those seasons where they, they had one running back run the ball like 47 times in a game, in a yeah. state championship game. There is a team, though, <laughs> this in California. This is what's also funny. It's John Elway's alma mater in California. <laughs> Which Gren- also does not make sense. Right. Grenada Hills Charter High School. I bet John's not pleased with the, these stats. They've thrown seven passes all season. They've not completed a single pass. But the Highlanders are 12-2 and two on the year. And they are competing in the 4A state playoffs for a championship against San Marin. And that's, I believe, right outside of San Francisco. Nice part of San Francisco, if, if, I'm, uh, if I'm not mistaken. They've got a running back, Dijon Stanley, who's rushed for over 2,600 yards and 32 touchdowns. He's rushed for at least 100 yards every game this season. He's a three-star prospect. Hutton, this will not surprise you. He's headed to Utah to play football. So does not surprise me. This is, hey, it's however you can get it done. This is almost like a single-wing type approach from the 1940s and 50s from Grenada Hills where they're getting the job done, though, playing for a state championship, not completing a single pass. Is it uh, – in the story, by the way, Outkick.com's got the story here, uh, but there's someone quoted there from the team that's like, well, people can't fathom what we do because we practice at 5.30 in the morning. And I'm thinking, yeah, that sounds about right for football practice. You know, welcome to the South. Uh, where, yeah. you know, uh, if you're at, there at 5.30 or late uh, prior to school. But, hey, I, here's hoping in game 15 that they hoist the trophy at 12. And they finish, what, 13-2? and two, And they do not complete a pass. In fact, I don't want them to attempt to pass in the entire game. Well, if, if they do, and it's some dramatic moment where they're <laughs> 70 yards away with four seconds left and they complete their first pass the season, it's or a to touchdown. Or shovel pass. Yeah, or something pass. crazy happens or they have to complete this one pass because it's fourth and nine and they can't run it in and there's one second left. Um, I hope there's some sort of Super Bowl build-up feature to this yeah. team and what they accomplished if that happens. I, I want to I read more. Stories up at outkick.com right now. We've read a little bit about them, but I, I, I need more. We've got that Fight for Football documentary on Outkick. This, uh, Maybe this will be our next doc. This, uh, the Dijon Stanley... In the most recent game against, uh, they won 22 to 7, 90 yard touchdown, 174 yards, three touchdowns, four carries. Four carries, 174 yards, three touchdowns. That's efficient. That's efficient. Uh, that's, that's not bringing enough guys into the that's box Derek to make the Derek Henry, Uli High School type numbers yeah. right there, except Derek was getting 11 carries a game instead of four. It's, uh, that's poor defense, too. Is what we call that. Good offense. Yeah, well, that, okay. Good rushing attack, but some poor defense as well. Uh, Baker Mayfield, he, it sounds like he's going to be active tonight, and he may actually start this game, which is crazy considering he arrived on Tuesday. And the, the, just the, the craziness of the report that I, I believe Sean McVay said, we've got him up to speed on the game plan. Are you kidding me? That he, he just drop him in there and he's like, yeah, we feel like he's ready to go if he needs to play. I mean, the way the same way that I thought Jeff Saturday, if he succeeded at all, which he's not after that first win, could succeed in the NFL. 
is an indictment on NFL head coaches that he just comes off the sideline and can do this. If Baker Mayfield comes in and knows the offense and it looks coherent, but I, well, that's an indictment on Sean McVay's offense, right? Yeah, but his or offense it's is also, the issue. It's, it's a credit to Sean McVay that you were able to dumb it down to a level to get a guy ready off the street. Or so like, you can look at it both ways. It's also a great compliment to him that he could bring someone in and coach him up enough and get the offense ready for them. Unfortunately, the storyline is likely going to end up being that Baker Mayfield is a sacrificial lamb in this against the Raiders' defensive front with Max Crosby and others. And they'll be getting after him. Hutton, I know... Um, because that's not a good O-line for the Rams. When we come back, Hutton, I know we've got one big thing on every NFL game yep. coming up, Ready one of my go. favorite segments of Locked the week. Locked and loaded. But we also must talk about... Here's, here's what we call in the business a tease. Mm-hmm. We must talk about a storied outkick right now. Clay Travis just tweeted about it. Of the next evolution in NIL, in recruiting, that is genius by a high school five-star prospect. That's, that's the tease. By the way, NIL we'll is approved it. in this state today. For high school players. Yeah, for high school yeah, so players. You can start, I mean, oh, uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Sophomore quarterback could go to the local sandwich shop and start <laughs> slinging out hoagies. For cash, and we're not. Tennessee's not the first state to approve it. It's just it's unusual. And part of the line of thinking in the vote was there the state's trying to get out in front of this. Meanwhile, before I, it takes over, I starred for my high school basketball team and couldn't even get out of a ticket from uh, <laughs> a, 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 the dad of a daughter that I dated in high school was the cop. What Wouldn't let me out of the ticket next.